to another episode of That's a Rap Podcast. I am your co-host, uh, and actually for the purpose of this episode, I'm actually going to be the moderator. Uh, I am Jay Rosales. I am joined by my uh, co-host, uh, Andreas Babiolakis. What's up, buddy? Not much, not much, and uh, not much indeed. We've had quite a lull between the last game and the next game, but we'll get into when you play the most games for the first half of the season you kind of have a lot of empty space to catch up with but that gives us time to talk uh we've got the primary doctor of the whole podcast the guy who stitches everything up uh jason what's up buddy what's up guys uh man it's it's nice to talk raps i mean it's a little bit of a break right i mean the raps are off for like two days we are i don't want to date this but we are recording this on a thursday night uh waiting for that friday game but but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to talk raps with you guys. Jay, I think we yeah, have a guest on tonight, no? Yes, we do. We do. And uh, I'd love to introduce the host of the South of the Six podcast, and which, which by the way, has just aired its 100th episode. So congratulations, Adam Corsair. Welcome yes, to sir. the show. Yes, sir. Good job, man. Thanks for having me. Look, there are like a few Raptors podcasts that I listen to. And this one is always, always, always on the docket. So I really appreciate being on here. This is an honor for me. So thank, <laughs> thank you, guys. You. I appreciate it. Thank you. Actually, Adam, I always wanted to ask you, Matt, are you, how big of a wrestling fan are you? Because I always see those. We, we go back and forth when it comes to, like, gifts of, of wrestling. I want to know. I am not a wrestling fan of today's milieu, I thank guess you. you can say. But, uh, dude, Attitude Era, WWF stuff, you know, Gener- early 90s, mid-90s stuff. Generation I love X. it. That's, yeah, man, that's what I grew <laughs> up on. And I always feel like there's this link between, like, Raptors Twitter and wrestling for some reason. Like, yeah. they, they, there's so many gifts that people it's- use. I'm just like... Time to use it, I guess. It's, especially right. that era too, because there's all those gifts. Every single meme, like every Vince McMahon meme, is so relatable to when it comes to That's basketball. <laughs> yeah, and like how they edit it and put like current NBA players' faces on. It's just <laughs> yeah. it's perfect. There's a perfect marriage there, and I just want to like make the needle pretty obvious when I thread it. So right. I'm glad like there are other individuals that think the same way. So yeah. oh yeah, this is not that's a rap. This is that's a SmackDown. So we'll continue. <laughs> I have nothing to contribute here. I, I didn't grow up on it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. You, well, I mean, one thing, one thing I missed, one thing I did miss from from my introduction of Adam is that he's actually uh, located in the heart, I guess you could say, of of Celtics country. He's 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 in Rhode Island, yes. and I think it's amazing that uh, we have a diehard Raptors fan down south, and that kind of leads into our first question of of the episode which is you know the raptors just beat down the celtics and you know a couple days have passed as as jay kind of alluded to already um so i guess i'll start with with you adam like what are your takeaways from that that boston game against the the raptors scrumptious man that was (laughs) (laughs) listen you have you, you have no idea the amount of garbage that I deal with on a daily basis from from these green teamers, man. It is absurd. They don't give me a break. They leave me no quarter when it comes to uh, Celtics and Raptors talk and, you know, them being Celtics fans, they automatically assume that they're entitled to the world. They're entitled to every victory. They assume that the Raptors are just going to roll over and die. And when the Raptors come out and destroy them, 
All right, not just beat them, destroy them and embarrass them on national television, mm-hmm. nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, it's a it's a nice little personal uh, accomplishment, I guess you can say, as a Raptors fan. Um, and it, it's great that, you know, come Wednesday morning, there's just nothing but silence. No one wants to talk about it because they have no answers. So, I love it. All the Twitter fingers are silent. It's it's That's amazing, right. pretty much. And Adam, you like f- from people in Toronto, we have this quote unquote inferiority complex where we just want like America to to see us. We're like the little brother. Like, hey, look at us. We're we're doing really well. But honestly, it could have been. It's it was like that, you know, in the two thousands or you know two thousand eleven maybe. But now, it's like no, we're a good friggin' team. And if anything, we're we're probably what top two, top three of the NBA. There is no inferiority complex anymore. It's we gave a beat down to a lesser team, and it was in every asset. It was an offensive. It was in defensive. It was we have a team in Boston who is basically a, a compilation of a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong; they're very, very talented on paper. But we have a brand new team that played like that. We were together for four years. Like it was incredible how we laid the smackdown. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. I, I think that you know th- the inferiority complex. Um, even though I'm not, you know, there with you guys, I'm sort of experiencing it at, at all times, right? So, like, it, w- try as I might to try to convince uh, New Englanders around here that the Raptors are a good franchise, that they they are a different story this year. This isn't the same uh, narrative as years prior. You know, getting eliminated in the second round. Knock on desk here about it, but. Celtics fans are convinced that no matter what, no matter what, the Raptors are just going to fold in cave and choke mm-hmm. in the playoffs because that's the recipe. And it's unfortunate because all I have to provide them for evidence that they won't is regular season games. Do we know as Raptors fans, the regular season doesn't prove anything when it comes to playoff performance, right? We finished first in the East last year, guys, and didn't do yeah, us any favors. That's true. So I, I'm so confident in this team right now, but when it comes to arguments and slander about how the Raptors typically fold in the playoffs, I kind of don't have a response to that, you know, to these Celtics fans that are not afraid to lay it in on me. And it's unfortunate too, because like um, the it takes a performance like what we saw on Tuesday for Raptors fans or just NBA fans in general to be reminded about what this Raptors team is capable of. I mean, if we look at the the egg that we laid against the Magic on Sunday, I mean, the, that ability to bounce back against Boston was really something to behold. I mean, what what do you think, Dre? What do you think about the way the Raptors kind of bounced back from that poor outing on Sunday? Well, I think... This, a lot of this has to do with what we're talking about here, reputation. Boston, everybody, even the league and like the media is under the impression that they're going to be untouchable. Meanwhile, they're not really performing the numbers that you'd expect with such a killer team. Then you have the man who not a lot of people are talking about. I'm actually stunned that Vucevic made it as an all-star, yet they're doing reasonably well. They're in playoff contention, I believe, and depending on how numbers go, we might have to face them if we're second and they're seventh or something, right? So clearly the Magic, I think, are a team that are continuously undermined. And perhaps we did that. I mean, we rested Kawhi, right? So, I mean, that just goes to show we saved our player for 
the Boston team, which, as you saw, the result we destroyed. It's, it's just a weird. Do you guys thing. think that there's there's um uh, it was more about the Raptors and their their camaraderie that that helped in this victory, or is it more Boston is just in complete disarray right now? I mean, which do you guys think it is more of? Like Jay, yeah. Jay, what do you think? Uh, I, I I'm gonna go to safe route. I'm gonna say it's both, because let's be real, this is a a brand new team. It's not the same team, you know, what, uh, two weeks ago? And the the chemistry, in order to be someone like a Boston team that we could play in the second round, if not the, you know, the conference finals or anything like that. But it takes time to get that camaraderie. And if you add in players like Marcus Gasol, Jeremy Lin, these guys are very high IQ players. They know that they're like, I, this is how I was explaining it to my wife. They're kind of like, the epitome of a USB. They're universal. They're plug and play. Just plug them in in any lineup, and they can play. You know, and oh. and I think that 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 already will help with the camaraderie of the Raptors. And you can kind of see it. Even Patrick McGaw. If you, I'm sure you guys were watching. Patrick McGaw is one of the greatest rotation defenders on our team. He's so fast, and he'll switch mm-hmm. whenever. And he just goes out to to defend a shot in like mere seconds, and it's incredible. So it is the Raptors' camaraderie at the on the opposite end, Boston, my God. I mean, I remember what, I was seeing something on ESPN or I don't know if it was TSN that without, I, I could have these numbers wrong, honestly, but I think without Kyrie, they're like 8-0 with Kyrie. They're like 0-6 or something like that. Like regardless, it's yep. it's like night and day. And I, the whole part of Kyrie being a leader, he's not showing it. And all he's doing is giving media more and more things to play with and he's kind of, he's moping right now you know and he, you're hmm. just feeding to to the media and I, I think again like i'm gonna go to safe bet i think it's both you know this is the case of having great players does not equal a great team you know you see i, I remember everybody was losing their minds when gordon hayward was signed to go to uh to boston and then the injury happened he was out for an entire season and it's like oh well well let's see let's see what happens now Meanwhile, now you have like a crazy play set up by Brad Stevens and not the Raptors game, but the game before. I don't remember who they were facing, you know, to try and get catch a buzzer beater. Uh, something happens, lack of communication. Kyrie starts to throw a bit of a tantrum and starts to get angry at Gordon Hayward because apparently he did the wrong thing. But that's not just a sign of frustration. That's a sign of, again, miscommunication, isolated plays where everybody's kind of in their own world and they're not really cooperating with each other. and a bit of a toxicity, the kind that you would find in a, a team that's actually pretty good, but uh, aren't performing very well, the Timberwolves, where you have a great but lazy player like Andrew Wiggins. You know, you have an excellent player like Anthony Towns who folds. Then you had Jimmy Butler, who ultimately just had to leave because he couldn't deal with it anymore. You're finding a lot of teams are getting really toxic lately, and I think Boston is starting to kind of go down that route. And it's sad because they have a hell of a lineup. You know, I would... <laughs> It's funny because it's if you remember the play against the Raptors, it was one of I think it was Kyle Lowry's first charge or maybe his second, but it was the charge against Jalen Brown, where it was a fast mm. break. Uh, he beat Siakam. Lowry cut in front of him, took the charge, but there were two men open on the wings. And when the foul was called, I think Morris was one of them, and you see him just yell and just rip Brown. <laughs> 
And yeah. that's sort of like a microcosm of how the, the Celtics are operating, right? There is no chemistry. There is no leadership. There is no sense of uh, camaraderie on that team. And you, it's, it's sort of proof that you can put a bunch of players that on paper should be good, right? Mm-hmm. You have this dream team mentality of the Celtics, and you just assume that everything's going to work out. It doesn't really work that way. Right. We've mm-hmm. seen this before. Yeah. Remember when Rondo, Wade, and Butler were on the Bulls? Didn't really work out. Like on paper, you think it would have, but it didn't work out. So, like mm-hmm. these chemistry issues are going to continue. And I don't necessarily think that it's Brad Stevens' job to sort of mitigate that at all. There's only so much he can do. Yeah. And he was trying to. He even said, it's like, I'm disappointed in myself. And like, what what is there to be disappointed in? You are playing your players and your players aren't performing. I, I guess that that is the whole point of, you know, being the leader, being the coach. But I mean, as much as Brad Stevens, he is a good coach after this season. If they do, however, they do well in the playoffs, I still do think Brad Stevens is a good coach. But at this moment, you have to put some responsibility to your players. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, when I think about what Raptors fans and what the NBA fans are, are kind of looking out for, it's, it's, it's possible that, you know, we want to see these two teams going head to head in the playoffs. I don't know if that's vision has, has changed for, for anyone here, but I know that that's something that I've been wanting to see for a long time now. And that perception hasn't changed. Right. I mean, I know that this was an ugly game, uh, for, for for the Celtics, right? And I know that this was a great game for the Raptors, but put these two teams together in a seven-game series and there's going to be, that is must-see TV, right? And mm-hmm. a question that I had before this game, and I, and I don't think that it's really changed in terms of my answer, but I'm interested to know what you guys think is, as we look forward uh, towards the end of the season, because now we're, I mean, you just blink your eyes and all of a sudden we're at 20 games left in the season. Like we're three quarters of the way through the season. Um, Is there, is there a team that you think that the Raptors fear facing in the playoffs? And if so, is that team, the Celtics? Uh, I'll say yes. uh, And I, I followed the second question with a no, it's not the Celtics. Uh, The bucks are a little frightening. I think while they don't have playoff experience, they're not slowing down, and their only Achilles heel at this point might be the fact that their starting lineup, I think, has been the most consecutive bit out of the entire season. Like, they've missed only, like, seven or eight games where they didn't have the exact same starting five. It's some crazy number like that. Jay, you might be able to um, find the stats on that because you're a stats guy. But something like that where they're not playing Timberwolf hours, and I say hours, tell you cap plays an entire like five hours out of a 48 minute game somehow <laughs> it just does and uh they're not doing that but they are starting the exact same so that could lead to uh playoff exhaustion that could lead to predictability perhaps but right now they're a little bit of a force to be reckoned with i'm kind of relying on philadelphia trying to get their act together with their new ever-changing lineup maybe they might fold um the pacers don't have Oladipo. maybe they might fold and the Celtics, as we discussed, are having a bit of a compatibility problem. They might fold. It's currently, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but the Bucks are like the only team that I'm a little bit terrified about. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. There is really no team that scares me in a seven-game series other than the Bucs. Um, I think the Raptors 
have the upper hand in any playoff matchup that they have with the exception of the Bucks. Um, and it's sort of indicative of the standings right now. And if, if, if it were up to me and the season ended just as it is right now, happy with that because i think the raptors can sort of steamroll those matchups and uh i think they have the upper hand but if it comes down to if it when rather it comes down to bucks raptors eastern conference finals i don't know how to predict that i don't know how many games that would go i just i can't gauge the temperature on that matchup and it would have me sort of trembling in a way that i was scared to face lebron last year in the second round of the playoffs I, I agree. I do think definitely the Bucks is probably the scariest. But see, this is the thing. I get Adam. We've the Raptors. You know this. We we've, we've never really been in the playoffs very often. And when we do get in the playoffs, it's it's like oh oh crap. What what's going to happen next? Something bad's right. going to happen. That it's kind of fueled in our blood almost, right? But I feel like each time the Raptors go into the playoffs. To me, it always has to deal with the first team that we face. I know at this moment right now, if the playoffs started right now, we would face the Detroit Pistons. Now, it has to do with so many storylines, right? It's it's Detroit, it's Dwayne Casey, can he take his revenge, uh, especially in a, a seven-game series? And I'm just thinking back about all the first, no one can forget the Washington series and even the Indiana series that went to seven. It's like as much as the season, when the season ends, you want to go out uh, finishing the season strong, I feel like you have to have that same mentality going into the playoffs as well. So if you're going to the playoffs and your first series is tough, like a seven-game series, I feel like that's going to move on to whatever series you're going to go on to next. So if we can steamroll, that's amazing. That's momentum. But if we're going to kind of stall and go into game seven with Detroit, I feel like that would be a mental push we have to do too. It's like more of a narrative that we have to push through. So to me, it's always the first, whoever is the first series, the first team we have to face. Yeah, and I think we have to break out of that whole making it to seven game because didn't it feel amazing when we didn't have to face the Heat until game seven? Wasn't it great when we blew them out in what, like game six a couple years ago? <laughs> didn't that feel refreshing? We don't always have to go to game seven and hopefully Kawhi and Marcus Saul with playoff experience can take us out of that. But uh, Jay, what do you think? Uh, you know, before this game, I actually had the Celtics as the the team that I would fear the most. Um, and a, a couple of you already touched upon it in terms of the Bucks just lacking the experience. And, you know, I could try to build a case around the fact that the the Bucks have similarities to the Raptors last year where, you know, they, they have this um, amazing rotation that they can, that is made for regular season success, but over a seven game series, you throw everything but the and the kitchen sink over to guarding Yanni. And, you know, I, I see them as more beatable than the Celtics. Now, again, this is this was before watching Tuesday's game. So I don't know if that that's really changed. I think I lean more towards what Adam was saying in terms of like, I don't really think there is really anyone that we should be afraid of. Uh, sorry, apologies for the, the noise in the background. <laughs> um, okay. You had to bring the kitchen sink and you didn't say that. I did say that. <laughs> You know, I don't necessarily think I think that there is we can beat every single team that we that comes our way. But there are small things to be afraid of for each possible opponent. And, you know, it's funny that you bring up the Jay, you bring up the Pistons. Um, they're actually over the month of February. I wrote about this in, in my weekly post, but I basically said that uh, over the past month, the Pistons have actually had the number one offensive rating in the NBA. And that's Whoa. crazy because, 
you know, Dwayne Casey's always been seen as this defensive guru and whatever, but like he's found something with Drummond and with Reggie Jackson. I mean, Blake Griffin has just been consistently amazing, but he's found something with Drummond and with Jackson and it's elevated them to a new uh, level. And of course, let's not forget that they did pick up Wayne Ellington, who, um, you know, most playoff teams had their eye on. So, I mean, there, there are things to like about each possible opponent. And I'm just bringing up the Pistons just because we happen to be facing them on Sunday. But yeah, I mean, I, I think all in all, I think the, the outlook on this team is looking good. I mean, obviously a win like Tuesday's does help. But as we look forward, the thing about where the Raptors currently sit is that you can pretty much say that the Raptors are locked into the second seed. And the reason I say that is because the Bucks are three games clear of the Raptors in the loss column, and they had the tiebreaker, which means Toronto has to make up four games on Milwaukee in the span of 20 games. Honestly, I don't see that happening. What I do yeah. see happening, and also the, the, the gap between Toronto and that three, four, five cluster is is wide it's fairly wide that again you, you you can't really expect us to drop into number three spot with only 20 games left so where i'm going with this is i have a feeling we are going to see a lot more of the words load management for the remainder of the season so i guess my question to you guys is do you think this is an issue like it, it, does this bother you that we're doing this whole load maintenance thing like how do you feel about it um i'm gonna throw this over to adam um, when you say load management, I assume uh, primarily, if not exclusively, you're talking about Kawhi. And it doesn't bother me at all. Honestly, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, it, and it sort of ties into everything. Like, it, it calls back to saying, it's the regular season, man. Like, we've learned that the regular season sort of doesn't matter. And uh, chasing the number one seed isn't really in our best interest right now, given the playoff breakdown as it stands. Um, so anything you have to do to sort of rest one of, if not the, and I say I say one of, arguably, because Pascal Siakam has been so awesome, but any chance that you have to rest and get your best player prepared for the playoffs so there's no setbacks, so there's no fatigue issues, so there's no sort of uh, worries about whether or not he's going to be hurt or tired, um, that's all that matters, right? All we care about is the playoffs. All we care about is a deep run into the playoffs. And honestly, it... it Best case scenario, if we make it to the finals, is anybody thinking back to the regular season and say, well, you know, this would have been so much better if Kawhi didn't rest those 18, 19, 20 games. I, this is just ruined for me. No, no one's going to say that. No one's going to say that ever. So it, it's it, for me, it's just not an issue. It's I'm not a doctor. I'm not the team's physician. So I trust what they're doing. And, you know, it, it's whatever. I think that, like, Knicks fans would be the only people where if they won, like, a championship, it'd be like, yeah, but God damn it, if they didn't rest that one guy 18 <laughs> games, then we would have won by 30. Like, it was so stupid or whatever. So, like, they're, like, the only people who complain. But you're absolutely right. And it's not just us who's doing it. I mean, LeBron is sitting out the odd game for load management. Uh, you have lots of players on, on varying teams that are doing that. Kawhi might be the most notorious case that's being passed around because of the whole thing with the Spurs. But, I mean, it's not a foreign concept, and I think it's being blown way out of proportion. I think, look at all of our trades. Look at our current lineup. Look at the the current contract situation. Everything right now is setting up for do or die this season to blast through the East, 
and try and take on a battered and bruised uh, Golden State Warriors if they have a longer trek to get there. Hopefully they don't sweep an entire playoffs minus one game like they have before. But, I mean, who knows? Because the, the West is pretty crazy right now. Uh, we have a chance to make it to the finals for the first time ever. It's the eye on the prize. It's literally all it is right now. And if load management's going to help us get there, resting some of our key players so they're, you know, whatever injuries they've had in the past don't come back to haunt them. They get the rest in terms of fatigue, whatever gets us to the to the end. And again, we've got Kawhi, we've got Gasol. We've got a couple of, of key elements that are ferocious in the playoffs, mainly, you know, former MVP of the finals, Kawhi Leonard, the only guy who could stop LeBron and similar players. So, I mean, let's unleash these these mothers while we're in the playoffs. Why not? I'm absolutely on board. And look, we're, if people are complaining about all of this and we're second in the East and like third overall, or not even, we're second overall, we're above the Warriors. We're second in the league and people are complaining. <laughs> I, I think I think they're making mountains on the molehills. I'm serious. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, what's fun if you can't complain about things, Redre? So, <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> but I, I agree with, with all you guys, what you guys are saying. Um, the only issue, and I'm going to be that guy. Okay. The only issue I have is I'm looking into the future. I think the Raptors are what 13 and four without Kawhi right now, which is phenomenal, right? Which, which basically means that we are good. Even if knock on wood, Kawhi does walk. I feel like Anything less than 60 games, I don't feel like that's a full season. So if knock on wood again, if Kawhi walks and we only see him play about 60 games, to me, that's not a full season. That's not enough for us to gauge if this made a difference with or without Kawhi. Secondly, there's that whole argument about, you know, there's no back to backs when it comes to when it comes to the playoffs. Is that the same thing when it comes to load management? If Kawhi doesn't play games because of load management in the playoffs that's the issue again that's down the line and i don't see it as an issue right now but in the future if it does uh, you know bite us in the ass then that's the only problem i have i'm not concerned about Kawhi resting during the playoffs even if we're up 3-0 in the first round um you just look at the way the nba schedules those playoffs games and there's like four games off or sorry four days off between some of these games sometimes so like uh he'll get plenty of rest between all of the games yeah. so and knowing us uh, we're probably I, gonna I, have an afternoon game too <laughs> I, yeah i definitely think we're gonna get like the saturday 12 30 <laughs> right. game definitely um so yeah again i and the question also was mostly about Kawhi, but a little bit about lowry do we think that Lowry's gonna maybe take a game off here and there, or is is he too prideful, or, or too proud? Or is he too much of a ball? Yeah, is he too proud to 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 sit out a game or two for for load management? Oh, hundred oh, percent. But that's what makes him Kyle Lowry, you know? Right. Like when he was playing with the, we know that he was playing with his back hurt with what in like Philly and against. I'm very surprised that he didn't play in the Spurs game, to be honest. But I feel like if a bar like, you know, him snapping his leg or something, I feel like he's going to play the playoffs no no matter what. And when it comes to Kyle Lowry, he's the bulldog. He's the, he's kind of the general, the heart and soul of this team. Kawhi is the star. Marcus Gasol might be uh, like a sergeant, or I don't know if we're going to think of analogies. But 
Kyle Lowry. Keep going, keep yeah, going. <laughs> I'm trying. But Kyle Lowry is definitely we need if if we need Kawhi in this in these playoffs, we need Kyle Lowry to kind of steer the ship. And I don't think load management is going to be even near him, near his name. He's not sitting. Remember when there was a game? I'm not sure what game it was. Maybe it was. Was it the Phoenix game? I'm not sure. It was a game that Kawhi sat and they were thinking about sitting Lowry and Lowry literally walked into the locker room and said, I'm playing. And that was it. And, and nurse was like, I okay, was. I guess. Yeah. I think it was the Phoenix game, you know, like I guess I'm playing. So it, it's his whole persona on and off the court. There is no way he, you you're going to be able to convince him that it's in his best interest not to play. And if anything, he's starting to regain so much steam now that I think it would do him a disservice if he sat and took some games off because for a guy like Kyle Lowry, rhythm and momentum is a thing. And to sort of take that away from him, I think would be more of a detriment to the team than, uh, than any sort of positive to worry about the playoffs. Kyle Lowry is the kind of guy that he has to get his reps in. And uh, if that is what it takes to make your team better, let him go, man, let him roll. Yeah. I'm glad that you were talking about, um, you know, momentum and kind of carrying that forward because I feel like that that's what the Raptors are currently getting from Jeremy Lin. He mm. is slowly working his way into, uh, you know, a very nice, comfortable role in that bench unit and for a small portion, even playing some minutes with our closers. So, um, I mean, this, and this is all great. I mean, this, we're basically, um, you know, Nick Nurse has so many weapons at his disposal already. It's just amazing that, you know, you lose someone like Fred Van Vliet for a month and you can just insert someone like Jeremy Lin and all of a sudden it's it's almost as if we forget that Fred Van Vliet is missing. So how do we think that it's going to be when Fred Van Vliet comes back? I mean, he's coming back in about, I think his timeline is now, uh, he's around the two and a half weeks away mark now. So, I mean, Dre, what do you think? Do you think it'll be like... How do you see it happening when we try to bring Van Vliet and bring him back up to speed again with Jeremy Lin in tow now? Um, well, I think it's going to be what I was saying in the episode when we first got Jeremy Lin, is that we we will have a great backup of a backup of a backup. You know, we have Lowry, then we have Van Vliet, then we have Jeremy Lin. We don't have a considerably weak option. You know, we have three people who you know, in all honesty, have a fire under their rear ends at all times. They're all very visceral players, whether that leads to their detriment with turnovers or it leads to hot streaks, which, let's be honest, we have quite a few of, knock on wood, with these particular players. And that's that's the best thing. We have to keep a Golden State mindset where Golden State's good, not just because they have All-Stars. All-Stars have to come from somewhere. And a lot of them are homegrown where that came from was understanding how to pick up the pieces when other people weren't, weren't feeling it. That's why they're such a consistent team, despite having a lot of great players. And I feel like this current setup for this position for us is starting to mirror that, where it's like, okay, if Lowry's having an off game, these two other guys can pick up. If two of these people are having an off game, don't worry, Lynn's going to be in there. And it's going to be very rare for all three of them to have an off game, especially because uh, as was pointed out by everybody Lowry plays with rhythm and the other two players also play with a similar tenacity and a feel and I think th it'll be extremely rare for all three of them to actually be off in one game and if they are then perhaps our other players will be on because no team is entirely off the entire time so with this current setup three playmakers 
the ability to, to rely on each other if the other one's not doing too well, I think is an excellent setup. And I think it's something that'll definitely help us in the, in the deep playoff run. I think it's going to be longer than that, Jay. I think it's going to be about like five weeks now. But I agree. It's really? going, still? yeah. I think that yeah, he still has a cast on, I think it's like three weeks until he gets that cast off. And then you have to implement him into like game speed too. So it's probably going to be more than uh, one five weeks. But we're going to need him in the playoffs. And this is the great problem to have, uh, especially for Nick Nurse. He loves these challenges. He loves being in this position where, okay, I can plug and play whatever I, whatever lineup I want. And having Fred Van Vliet as your second or third option is incredible. I feel like as much as Marcus Gasol or J- Jeremy Lin um, kind of came in with that with ease, Fred Van Vliet knows the system. He knows how to play with Lowry, especially. He, to some extent, he knows how to play with Kawhi. So when he does come back, I feel like it's going to be seamless. And I think he's going to definitely be very important when it comes to the playoffs. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I do agree with you that it's going to take a while for him to uh, regain game speed. But, but I don't want to be the buzzkill of the conversation because I do like Fred Van Vliet a lot. But um, I just the eye test alone regarding Jeremy Lin and the handful of games he's played, I... I don't know. I, I If I were to choose, I prefer Lynn over Van Vliet at this point. And I think it has a lot to do with um, uh, his veteran experience because as, you know, sometimes clutch as Van Vliet is and he has his moments, there are times that he's just sort of dribbling the air out of the ball and there's no purpose. There's no direction. There's no um, mindset of the next move whereas Jeremy Lin I think he's such an intelligent basketball player that when he's making a move he has maybe three or four different options that he's aware of Mm -hmm. um, at his disposal and I don't think Fred Van Vliet has that quite yet like Jeremy Lin every single dribble is with a purpose every single drive is with a purpose and there's an end mind there's an end goal in mind rather whereas if Fred Van Vliet gets caught he'll try to do this Kyle Lowry thing where he'll try to draw a contact and hit a layup, but it just, it doesn't work for him more often than not. So, you know, Jeremy Lin has his mid range jumper. He's able to, to finish when he drives to the rim. He has his assist ability. I just am sort of falling in love with this game that I don't know if Fred Van Vliet's going to have enough time to get back up to game speed. And when you sort of thrust someone back in, that's a huge gamble. And with these, as we're mentioning right now, um, they're so precious, these wins, that you have to go with the sure thing. And if you give Jeremy Lin a month with this team, I think he's going to be just a little bit more trustworthy than Fred Van Vliet. If I could play the uh, devil's advocate of the devil's advocate, I think, <laughs> I, I think you, hit it all, you hit it on the head, right? I mean, you're, you're absolutely right in terms of like Van Vliet has looked like he's been... Uh, you know, trying a little too hard in, in in terms of trying to be that playmaker on the second unit. And in all honesty, it's what's been missing all season long. Um, DeLon never quite took that mantle. Um, and the loss of Siakam from that bench unit has really affected the way our reserves played. I mean, he was that secondary playmaker and he really opened the floor for the rest of the unit. And now that he's, you know, and rightfully so, a starter, um, we have been missing that in the second unit. And whether it was by his choice or nurses, Fred Van Vliet just did, does not fit that that mold at all. So I think that, you know, in uh, with regards to what you're saying about Lynn being that playmaker, I think that works perfectly for 
preventively because then he can now play the role of spot up shooter and you know this this whole five weeks or five plus weeks of just having Lynn get used to the offense and Van Vliet being out I think what'll organically happen is as he comes back into the fold which will be at the end of the season um you know he won't be asked to you know dribble the ball and be that playmaker anymore that'll be already in Lynn's hands at at least with the bench unit and then he can just live the life waiting for open threes as they uh, they keep coming in from whether it's from Lynn or Gasol I mean I I know that that Jay you were like throwing out some possible lineups on there but just the thought of any real lineup I mean you you can name any two guys on the Raptors right now and you can fit uh, a very capable wing beside them a very capable passer whether it is Lowry or Gasol or Lynn and that is a dynamite lineup. So again, very excited for how we're looking moving forward. And actually, since I already brought up Pascal, can we all just assume he's going to win the the most improved player? Right? I mean, th- there's no question, yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. we don't. We don't even have to talk about it. We have what, MIP 100. percent Move on. Let's go. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I can. In other news. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If, I just wanted to point out that a, a, a big missing narrative regarding Lynn's game is his defense. And I don't know if yeah. I'm the only one during the Celtics game that saw him completely shut down Kyrie Irving. I mean, Jeremy oh, yeah. Lynn shut down Kyrie Irving offensively. He did. And yeah. that is, that's, that, that's nothing to just like, oh, it's just maybe an off night for Kyrie. No, no. Jeremy Lynn shut down Kyrie Irving. And so when you have that defensive presence that Fred Van Vliet doesn't really possess in the playoffs, ooh, man, ooh, lick your chops. Yeah, because that that's gonna come in handy. Yeah, low key slash high key, a dope defender, and he's not the strongest, and he's he's definitely not the tallest, but he's smart, and I think that mm-hmm. goes a huge way when it comes to defending someone like Kyrie. I mean, he's played in the uh, Atlantic Division for, or I guess the Eastern Conference for a while now to have played against Kyrie enough. Like you said, Adam, like to have someone like Lynn to step in when Kyle uh, is probably maybe has foul trouble and, and can't uh, keep up with these faster guards. You ha- you can just put in Lynn there. For sure. So uh, there's no way that I'm going to do this the rest of this episode without asking our guest the question about rivalries. Now, <laughs> naturally, if we think about the NHL, if we're thinking about baseball, Toronto and Boston uh, as sports cities are just always butting heads. And I wonder, is is Boston Toronto's biggest basketball rival or is there someone else? I mean, what do you think, Adebar? Who, who's, who are the Raptors' biggest rivalries with? I think with Raptors fanhood, it's interesting because a lot of them are interchangeable. But there's always going to be an underlining hatred for the Celtics. And and I don't think that's ever going to go away. But like secondary rivals, like I said, they're interchangeable. Like remember the time when the Raptors and the Bulls had this rivalry that only the Raptors were aware of because hmm. the Bulls would just always beat them. And it was always like an oh, undefeated yeah. streak until until true, yeah. PJ Tucker and Serge were traded here. <laughs> yeah. And they, oh, yeah. they, they finally won a game like that was sort of a rivalry and th- we we overcame that and now it's just okay yeah they're not a rival anymore I hope um <laughs> yeah right replace, they beat the celtics so that's awesome so like, <laughs> replace um <laughs> replace chicago and then like for the past two years it's been cleveland and now that lebron's gone it's sort of like well there's no rivalry there so replace them now with milwaukee 
So the secondary rivalries are always, are always interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But in terms of deep-seated, consistent rivalry and hatred, it's got to be Boston, right? Well, I mean, if I, I think this is an excellent opportunity to, to at least touch upon a few others. Um, I don't know if there's like a deeply rooted, god-awful, high-strung, I'm going to burn the car of, of these other fans kind of rivalry like there are between other teams like the Lakers and the Celtics, for instance. Uh, one that comes to mind, and I've brought it up many times, I call them the Hufflepuffs. It's the Wizards. I think <laughs> all of this started because of Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce, okay, about the Celtics, actually. It's interesting because Paul Pierce alone, it's not even a team. I mean, the Celtics have a rivalry, but it's not even a team. It's like the Paul Pierce rivalry with Toronto, and he's always had one. Like, you could be on whatever different team. He's not even playing in the NBA anymore, and he still is, like, talking trash about it. It's like, oh, man, we've got the worst jerseys of all time with the, the purple dino era from the from the 90s. Like, he's always talking trash about us, and that got really bad with the Wizards when they started to incorporate the whole game of thrones terminology with the we the north it was like no nah, we the north and they started to have like the, the sword throne photo shoots and everything and we, <laughs> we got whooped so i mean that that did spark something let's be honest here he wasn't the only trash shocker on the team you've got john wall who's a very big trash shocker i mean do i have to go through the entire lineup that basically all are especially when it comes to toronto it's weird because it's almost like what you were saying adam about boston fans once Pierce left, we pretty much destroyed the Wizards whenever we saw them in the playoffs or most of the time during the season. We, they didn't pose much of a threat, but it's always like, remember that time where we whipped your butt? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that was like half a decade ago. That doesn't matter anymore. But it, 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 it's, it's funny. There's clearly like a, like some sort of a turmoil between us and that team. And it just feels good that they're like, they're getting smashed right now. It feels great that we're second and they're like 11. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> yeah, man. I totally agree when it comes to Boston and Washington. Those are definitely high up there. But I think for me, it definitely has to be with franchise-wise, the Nets. Now, it can be New Jersey or Brooklyn. Uh, don't matter. But the Nets are the uh, the team that we traded Vince Carter with, and we got you know pennies. For a while, we were garbage because of that trade. And he also played us in the, in the playoffs, too, and then you know smashed us. And then uh, talking about Paul Pierce – Five years ago, when we faced them, when we finally got back into the playoffs, we had to face, uh, you know, the Brooklyn Nets with Garnett and Pierce and Joe Johnson. And if it wasn't for, you know, Patrick Patterson getting in the way of Kyle Lowry, probably would have made uh, made it to the second round. So, and then you got to get, you know, the F Brooklyn with Masai. So I feel like when it comes to franchise rivalries, there has to be, you know, a little... A little stabbing when it comes to uh, the Nets. I won't say Brooklyn. I won't say Jersey. I just say the Nets. I don't think I've got a rivalry that that beats any of your three. Um, you know, I was I could have tried to make a case for for the Warriors, but we only see them twice a year. It's just every single time we face them, it it just is highly highly entertaining. But I don't think that's a rivalry. Um, in terms of rivalries that I think should have happened and never really did, uh, two come to mind. Number one is uh, the Pistons. I mean, I think that we'll see that on Sunday where Raptors fans are just going to take over Detroit's arena. Um, It's kind of like a second home for us. So it's a shame that with these two cities being so close in proximity, I think it's only a four and a half hour drive, um, that there's not 
there never really was a rivalry there. And the second one is with the Grizzlies. I mean, if if the Grizzlies stayed in Vancouver, that definitely had the makings of a great rivalry. I mean, the Naismith Cup was a thing, but uh, I wonder where that is. Yeah. <laughs> It's true, right? Uh, so uh, that never quite happened, and it's unfortunate. So I think that the three that you guys listed are are great, and I think that you know we've we're, we're bound to see more of uh, Toronto and Boston, um, whether it's during these playoffs or moving forward. But I mean, it's definitely trending in that direction. Where whether it's the uh, second or even the third round that Toronto and Boston are kind of meant to to meet. Um, but yeah, that's it before, before we going into the, uh, we wrap up this episode and looking at the, um, upcoming schedule. I just wanted to throw out a couple. I mean, I'm, I'm going to take this whole around the horn, Tony reality thing seriously, and <laughs> just clean up a couple of stats that you guys threw out there. Wow. Uh, first off, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, in his last 12 games, Six, he has played, sorry, in the last 12 games for the Celtics, he has played in half of them. All six of those games, they have lost. And the six games oh. he did not play, all six of those were victories. So <laughs> that was that stat guess, that you were throwing out there, Jay. Damn. Uh, I, I love that it. That is, uh, his uh, win streak right now is kind of like earth for him, flat. And just in terms Perfect. of the uh, the the Bulls rivalry, um, the Raptors currently have a seven game win streak on the Bulls, which follows immediately after an eleven game losing streak to the Bulls. Yep. yep. And. That's not even the worst losing streak we've had against the Bulls. It, between the years of 2002 and 2006, we lost 15 straight to the Bulls, <laughs> which oh was God. immediately after we had a 16-game winning streak against the Bulls. What? This is an insane, yeah. insane <laughs> rivalry. That is the it's weirdest thing I've ever heard. It's so random. When, it's so random. When they but, beat... Uh, I'm going to bring this back to wrestling. When they beat the Bulls and ended the streak, I posted a picture of Brock Lesnar beating The Undertaker. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. He had to lose one. (laughs) Well, that's great. Um, So I guess, I mean, we're we're kind of running long on this episode, but I mean, this has all been fun, guys. Uh, Before we wrap this up, let's let's take a quick look at the schedule. Uh, Three games on the docket. When this episode airs, it'll be on Friday, March the 1st. I can't believe we're in March already. Uh, So the Raptors wrap up a very long homestand, their longest of the season, seven games, uh, with a date with uh, the Blazers, followed by a Sunday visit to Toronto West, uh, Detroit. And uh, finally, we'll wrap up with one more. our next home game on Tuesday against the Houston Rockets. What do you guys think? How, how will this play out? Um, on my show last week, I had this one against Portland penciled in as a loss. There's already audio of me saying it, so I'm going to stick with it because <laughs> if, if I say they're going to win, someone's going to tweet at me. No, you said a loss. So I'm just gonna... I'm hey, man, we, loss. We, take, we take your word very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> take that as an L. Um, but Sunday against Detroit, you're right. It's like a de facto home game for Toronto. Um, I'm going to pencil that in as a win. Although, don't be surprised if it's another maintenance day for Kawhi. 
um, because Tuesday you said they're home against the Rockets. I think that's a national TV uh, game. Mm -hmm. They're going to show up again, and I'm going to say a win. So they'll take uh, two out of three there. Nice. I'm going to go with um, uh, win on against Portland, uh, win in our second home, and then a loss against the Rockets. I feel like NBA players have good memory, and the fact that we broke their streak of, like I think it was 18 games last year, uh, and we broke that when they came to our building. I feel like the Rockets remember that very clearly. And then it's going to be a pretty good game from P.J. Tucker. So I, I think that's what's going to happen. What about you, Drew? Uh, well, the two that I, I kind of feel some sort of slight certainty with are our win against the Pistons. We we have to try and bring it back after that uh, very intense buzzer beater that um, Wayne Casey put together that uh, kind of whipped us. Uh, we can't forget that. Houston, I think uh, it, it might be a loss because, I mean, Harden is bonkers. And when the team decides to join along with him, they're almost unstoppable. Uh, so I think that's, that might be a loss, uh, especially two days after the Pistons game. I think that's going to be a bit of a heated game. So I don't think it's going to go by easily. The Trailblazers, though, because the Trailblazers are kind of like per game they're kind of like that goals record that we were talking about they're either incredible or they're garbage it's the weirdest imbalance i've ever seen in a team uh i'm gonna go with a win that doesn't mean that i'm certain about it uh it just means that it can really go either way but i try to stay optimistic because the trailblazers are so hit or miss like it's unbelievable i think what's interesting with these three games is all three of them and i pointed out again in my article is that all three of them in our previous games against these three teams were all losses. So the Raptors are looking to avenge earlier losses. The interesting thing with the, both the Blazers and Rockets games is that both of those were incredible comebacks, both of them. I remember the Portland game and we were down by 20 some odd points and it was just three after three after three and it was we almost made that comeback. Um, same with the Rockets. I mean, we that that one was more recent, and that comeback was just absolutely incredible. Um, both of those were very close losses. We played like crap for three quarters, and all of a sudden, just blew up in the fourth. So, um, I'm going to say that both of those games end up being victories. And I agree with with Adam in terms of like I, I can totally see Sunday being a a maintenance game. And, uh, you know, as I was alluding to earlier, I mean, Detroit has just been on fire for the month of February offensively. And, um, yeah, I think that that'll be uh, a loss. So two oh. out of three from from me. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's it, it's something again, it's just something that I was kind of talking about earlier about, like whether or not we lose the next three games or we win the next three games. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I mean, we've all kind of said it at various points in this pod that the the goal is to just be healthy by the playoffs. But really, based on where we are currently in the standings, it doesn't really look like we have the ability to leapfrog over the Bucks, nor will we collapse and fall into that three, four, or five spot. Like, we're pretty much locked into this two spot. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is just, guys, just enjoy the games. And this is to everyone listening, you know? It's uh it's a fun time to be a Raps fan. I, I say that almost I've been saying that every year for the past like six years. And every year it just rings more true that this is the most fun raps team I've ever uh witnessed. 
and just enjoy the games. If if someone, aka Kawhi, is sitting out, don't don't fret about it because where the eyes are on the prize, right? Um, and we've got a wonderful, exciting April, May, and June to look forward to. So don't sweat uh, a March game if if your favorite player is sitting out. Um, I do feel for you though if you did pay for those tickets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's 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 all we have on on the sked. Um, Dre, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs. Uh, the Oscars are finished, and I'm still so bitter about Green Book, but you can still read my film reviews at filmsfatale, F-A-T-A-L-E, dot com. I'm currently doing uh, current modern film reviews and editorials, and yeah, just catch up with what I'm seeing in the theaters. Uh, Jason, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jlone 20 You can find this podcast at That's a Rap Pod. You can find this podcast, the one you're listening to, on all your podcatchers, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean. And make sure to follow us on Raptors HQ because that's our home base. Jay, can you take us home? <laughs> sure. Actually, uh, you can catch me on on Twitter at Rosalasaurus. Catch my work on Raptors HQ. I am extremely thankful for our guest Adam Corsair for coming on today you are awesome we'd love to have you on again yes, and uh you know this the floor is yours uh, what do you what do you want to plug thanks again for coming on oh no thank you guys for having me um what do I got going on uh so Blue Jays season is coming up so we're still we are covering spring training baby yeah, that's right that's right we just released episode 100 last night as you guys alluded to uh talking all things blue jays i got a raptors episode this weekend with Lior Kose, so that should be a, a really fun episode uh jay you're coming on later this month i believe right 23rd there you go yeah nailed it so uh look out for that um we got a great uh staff of writers on the website south um one of our writers hudson stewart just wrote about the shellacking that the raptors gave the celtics so check that out and uh hit us up on twitter at south of the six that's six spelled the number six in the letters ix like all the young cool kids do it even though i am not one of those so feel free to follow us check out the website and guys really thank you so much for having me it's been a blast no man thank you so much until next time boys that's a wrap Carmelo anthony has not played for over 100 days but the real question is has anyone noticed <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir.